0: We are in a series entitled The Counselor. We're in part four. This is our last week. How many of you enjoyed this series? Awesome. All right. If you're here today and you've missed uh, some of the parts, I want to encourage you to get on our app or get on our website, download them, get them on your phone. You can watch them on podcast or you can watch them on video, either one. Um, we'll make sure all of those four are up this week. My media team, if you're listening, um, I'm counting on you to make sure that all four are up this week and, uh, you can listen to the series in its entirety. Maybe there's a week you want to go back and listen to again, whatever that might be. You missed a week. Um, and, uh, but get it in your life, get it in your spirit. I think it's going to build your faith all the way through. We're asking questions or, or actually we're, we're reading questions that Jesus asked to different people. The series is called entitled the counselor because uh, people would come to Jesus with questions and then he would turn that around on them and he would ask questions of them. And he would ask questions time and time again, over a hundred recorded questions in the gospels. And he would ask questions that caused people to be really honest. He would cut right to the heart of the issue. Last week, we asked the question, do you really want to get well? Do you really want to get well? I, I'm sorry. You're going to have to hold on for a minute. Cut that from the broadcast. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm going to need some water, Pastor Darren. Thank you. Uh, um, you like that, didn't you? Just, just left-handed, too. Uh, from all my baseball coaching. Caught it right in the pocket and everything. It was nice. Um. What, what was I talking about? Last week we asked the question, do you really want to get well? This was an insulting question. The guy's lame. He's been lame for 38 years. And Jesus asked him, Do you want to get well? Man, that's a mean question, Jesus. It seems obvious, but we we note something. Jesus didn't ask the man, do you need to get well? He asked him, Do you want to get well? Because Jesus knew something. You can't help people that need help. You can only help people that want help. So he said, do do you want to get help? He didn't say, do you need help today? Of course he needed help. But he asked him, do you want to get well? When when problems persist, there's at least three challenges that we face, and, and we talked about them last week. One is that the longer a problem persists, the more discouraged you become. It becomes discouraging. It weighs on us. The longer a problem persists, the more excuses you make. And then finally, finally, the longer a problem persists, the more we learn to compensate. We compensate for our issues. But you can only help someone who wants help. You cannot change what you are willing to tolerate. And until your desire becomes bigger than your disability, you will not start to find healing. So today, we ask one final question. Are you geared up and ready to go? Turn to the neighbor and say, you get ready. Here we go. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to read this scripture, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to go straight to our video for our last video. Have you, have you enjoyed these videos? All right, we're going to go there for the last one. Mark chapter 4, verse 35, if you're there, say amen. Louder and prouder, say amen. Okay, I'm going to need your help today. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat, and they started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. This is a problem. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion, And the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we are going to die? That we are going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, Silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have No faith, and the disciples were absolutely terrified. Interesting. The storm has stopped, and they're still terrified. I'm going to tell you why later. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. If you've got your Bible today, I want you to place your hand on it. If you're reading from your app, from your phone, place your hand on that, and let's pray together. Father, we thank you for bringing us here today. We thank you for the opportunity to serve you, to worship you, to know you, to be in relationship with you. And God, I pray that you would open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to hear from you and to be challenged by the power of your word. Bless us today, God. Speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's go to the video screen now. Why don't you tell me what happened? I was with Jesus all day. So we get on a boat to cross the lake, and, you know, more boats come too. I guess they were all so caught up in following him that they didn't even see it coming. See what coming? That storm last night. I have never been on the lake in a storm like that. And there Jesus is, in the stern, laying down... Fast asleep, we woke him up we asked him, Teacher, do you not care if we perish? How did he answer? He shouted at the storm, Quiet, be still. And, and get this, just, the wind just stopped the lake completely flat. How did that make you feel? That part was awesome. But then he turned to us, he looked me right in the eye and he said, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? This is an interesting story. Jesus and his disciples have been on one side of the lake. And they're preaching. They're teaching. Jesus is doing miracles. He's healing the sick. He's healing the lame. He's, he's raised a widow's son from the dead. I mean, uh, Jesus is doing unbelievable miracles. And suddenly, after teaching and preaching, Jesus says, come on, guys, let's get in the boat and let's go to the other side of the lake. The lake where they're referring to is the Sea of Galilee. And uh, it is an interesting place uh, geographically. The Sea of Galilee is actually about 685 feet below sea level. It's the largest uh, freshwater lake, I mean, the, the lowest freshwater lake on the planet, as I understand it. 685 foot below sea level. And it's surrounded, if you ever see a picture of it, it's surrounded by kind of some low-lying mountains. Not uh, the, the rocky mountains, but low-lying mountains that surround it. And it creates an atmosphere and a weather pattern that is conducive for storms to blow up, violent, violent storms to blow up, uh, especially late in the evening or over the nighttime hours. And so here are his disciples, in the afternoon, they get out into the boat, and of course, one more time, this storm blows up. Now, the sea was not huge. This lake is not massive. It's about 33 miles around, or it's got about 33 miles of shore. It's about 13 miles long. And so they get in on one side, and they're just going to go 13 miles, which is not a terrible, uh, terribly long distance when you're traveling on a boat until the storm comes up out of nowhere. And it just suddenly, the storm is raging. You might can relate to it here living on the Gulf Coast, how that it can be beautiful and blue skies and then in a matter of minutes, a storm comes up out of the Gulf, especially in the summer, in the afternoon, uh, those afternoon storms that pop up and they just seem like they come out of nowhere. And one minute, the weather report is saying 0% chance of rain, but you're looking outside and it's hailing and lightning and thundering makes the weather channel look like geniuses. And that's what happens. And the the Bible tells us that the storm was raging so strong that the waves were crashing over the boat and filling the boat with water. It gets these men's attention. Many of them were fishermen, not all of them, but, but many of them were fishermen. They should have been very comfortable on a boat, and yet suddenly this storm blows up and it scares them to death. Now, I've got to tell you, I've been in, uh, out on the water a couple of times when I thought the boat was going to sink. The first time I was about 12 years old or so, I was up in the mountains uh, right outside of Seattle, Washington, and our family had gone on a camping trip. With some friends of ours, pastors Joe and Jean Parker, ladies, you many of you will know Pastor Jean Parker. She'll be at the conference this week. She's there every year. Uh, Pastor Joe and Jean have been some of my parents' best friends. Uh, they were in their weddings together, uh, however many moons ago that was, and <laughs> forty actually, forty years ago. And they were so we've been friends a long time. So both of our families went up into the mountains and we camped out. Yes, Pastor Renee camped out in tents. Well, she actually stayed in a little trailer, but she was out in the woods. (laughs) This is a true story. I know you're finding it hard to believe. You're like, there's that pastor lying again. No, this is a true story. And, And we camped out, and we actually rode horses through the mountains for a few days. A lot of crazy things happened on that trip. One of them was we didn't have enough horses for all of our families to ride at the same time, so we would kind of take turns going out. Well, it was mine and my friend Brandon's turn to stay back at camp. Well... You know, you leave two 11, 12-year-old boys back at camp, and, you know, something's about to go down. So we had brought with us this little raft. Uh, It was about maybe six foot long, and and you fill it, and you blow it up with air. And we decided there there was this big lake a couple miles up the road, a mountain lake uh, that where all the snow melted and filled the lake up. Right. And we decided we're going to go out there and paddle across the lake. What we were going to do when we got out there, I have no idea, but it would sounded like a brilliant idea. We blow this little boat up with air and we get all the way out in the middle of this lake. And I don't know how big it actually is, but when you're out in the middle of it and your raft starts losing air, it seems massive. The, the 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 raft is losing air. The water is ice cold because I mean you're first of all it's cold just in general. You're at the top of the mountain. Secondly, this is all snow melt. It was cold, and so here we are. We're trying to paddle as fast as we can. But listen, that raft is not fast at its best days, but when a raft starts losing air. How many of you know, if you've ever been in the pool and, you're, and your raft starts losing air, you can't get anywhere. You might as well get off of it. That's what was going on. We're paddling and sinking. All The more we paddle, the more we sink. So one of us now is trying to blow air in while the other one's paddling, you know? And so one is blowing, you know, trying to keep the thing blown up. Of course, when that one, you know, immediately passes out. So the other one is like now blowing in there. It was a hot mess. We finally got over to, there. Was was, um, what happens is when the storms come they knock down trees and then the, the melting snow pushes the trees down into the lake and so there was an area where they all of these before it goes into the river there was basically a log jam is what it was a literal log jam and so we finally paddled and blew air in that thing long enough till we got over to the logs we jumped on the logs and hopped around logs until we got to the side of the shore we made it out alive now, that was the first time. Now, I've got to tell you, I didn't want to get in the water, but I'm a fairly decent swimmer, and I, I didn't think I was going to die. I thought I might freeze, but I didn't think I was going to die. The second time, I was about 16 or 17, I was in high school, and we had a boat, and so a friend of mine and I, we went out fishing early one morning right over here at Pine Tree Lodge on Taylor's Bayou, and we decided to go fishing. So we backed down into the boat, and he's driving, and if you've ever been there, there's kind of like a little slough that once you dock, you have to go out really slow. They won't let you really hit your motor. They don't want any wakes right there. You have to get out into the the main bayou before you can go. And so we're just kind of cruising along and I'm sitting up in the front of the boat and my friend Jason is driving and and I'm getting fishing poles ready and I'm not a, a master fisherman of any kind, but we're gonna give it our best shot today. So I'm kind of getting ready and all of a sudden I look around and I realize that our boat is riding very low in the water. So I go to the middle where we, uh, there's, a, or there's a hole where you lift it up the floor and you can see where we keep all of our skis and things. So I, I open it up and it's solid water and filling up. And I said, Jason, did you put the plug in the boat? He said, No. I said, Jason, you always put the plug in the boat. He said, I did not put the plug in the boat. And I said, I did not put the plug in the boat. By this time, the water, I mean, we're like, we, uh, you know, the, the boat is going down into the water. Like, I mean, we're, we're, it is up to the edge. So we floored it and raced up and down the bayou until some of the water uh, drained out. We, we got some of the water out and then we went and put it back on the trailer. But then the problem was on this one time, we took his little four cylinder Ford Ranger. You remember the little single door Ford Rangers, 1986 models, you know what I'm talking about? As standard. And our boat, now full of water would not pull it out. So here I am. I think my dad's going to kill me. This is it. I have lived a good life, but here I'm going to die in Taylor's Briou at the base of Pine Tree Lodge while everyone's eating catfish. My father's going to murder me right here. And it's embarrassing because there's other people waiting to put their boats in and we are stuck. I mean, it's on the trailer. But we can't get it out. And I, you know, of course, left my cell phone, so I didn't have my cell phone to even call my father if I braved calling him. So finally, I said, okay, I've got one last idea. And and it was on the boat. And I I said, you floor it, and I'm going to floor it on the motor. And I literally pushed the truck out with the motor on the boat. (laughs) And that's how we got out. And then I killed it really quick as soon as we got going. Oh, man, we sat there embarrassed while that water drained and then it was like you still want to go fishing no me neither so (laughs) but in neither of those situations did I ever think I was going to die Uh, as I said I'm a fairly good swimmer now I might have to swim away from a few alligators in Taylor's Bayou but that was a common practice if you're going to hydroslide in in Taylor's Bayou you better be able to swim faster than the alligators do so this was common practice y'all don't know what I'm talking about that's okay I grew up in the bayou and this is true life, okay? And, and so, I, but I was never concerned for my life. So I can't relate to the sheer panic that these guys felt. I've been offshore before when storms blew in and the boat was rocking and we were in 10-foot waves. I've been there, but I never feared for my life like these men did. The only thing I can relate it to was being in a plane when I thought the plane was going to crash. Now we're talking about sheer panic. You see... In a boat, I always feel like I might could swim my way out, but I'm not very good at falling, (laughs) especially from 35,000 feet. When I was on a mission trip at uh, 16 years old in Alaska, and we were flying from uh, Anchorage, Alaska to Kotzebue, Alaska, and it was the worst flight I've ever been on in my life. The fog was so thick, we couldn't see anything. The, the plane, I was sitting, it was a really small plane. It was like a 20-passenger plane, and I was sitting in the back row. There were three seats, and so I'm sitting in the middle on the back row, so I can see all the way down the aisle. I can see the white face of the stewardess, because she's facing me on the other end of the plane, and I can see the door going into the cockpit, and I'll never forget... We were we were flying along and they told us once we landed on the ground that there were pockets where the air was really thin and we would begin falling and it, and a couple of times we fell a thousand foot just and then you would hit and it felt like you were landing on concrete like this is it I mean people are calling on the name of Jesus people were getting the Holy Ghost I mean it was going down and I'll never forget when the, when the when the cockpit door flew open when we hit on one of those times I was like, oh my God, this is it its over uh, here I am came to give my life for Jesus And you took me very seriously on this mission trip. (laughs) And the the panic, and people who had said they didn't know how to pray were suddenly prayer warriors and intercessors. You know. (laughs) And I and I wonder as I read this story, if this storm was that kind of storm as the waves were crashing over, and if they felt anything like I felt. And suddenly Jesus asked this question: why are you afraid? Let me explain to you why I'm afraid, Jesus. When boats fill with water, they sink. It's not rocket science, Jesus. You created the heavens and the earth. You ought to know this. Jesus asked, why are you so afraid? Everything was going well for the disciples. They were Seeing miracles, things were happening, they're on the boat with Jesus, and suddenly they're in the midst of the storm, and here's what I find hilarious. Jesus is sleeping on a pillow in the back of the boat. I I don't know. If you're going through a storm right now, and maybe you can relate to this, but I've, I've been through times in my life when, when the seas are raging and the storm is raging and the winds are blowing and things are not going well, and Jesus, it feels like he is asleep up on his stool in heaven, and he's not caring about what's going on. They said, teacher, do you even care that we're going to drown? He's sleeping. He's sleeping. I don't know, maybe you've been there before where it feels like Jesus is silent and he's taking a nap and you're running for your life. Because everything was going well. Everything was going their way. Everything was happening like it was supposed to happen and then suddenly it wasn't. Suddenly they were in the midst of a storm. Maybe you can relate. Things are going well in your life. You're having the best sales month that you've ever had in your life. You're setting records until you realize that the company is making layoffs, and because you were the last one hired, you're the first one to go. You've been working on your marriage. Things are going well. You've gotten it turned around. You had a date last week, and it went wonderfully. You actually looked into each other's eyes and not into your cell phone. It was an amazing phenomenon. Things are turning around until your wife goes to the doctor and she gets news that can, changes your life and shakes you to the core. Things were going well with your teenager. Things were going well with your child. They were getting better. It had been some rough roads, but now maybe it was some smooth sailing. And all of a sudden you got the phone call about the mistake they'd made. It changed their life forever. We all go through different types of storms in our life. And I want to encourage you today. You see, my family's in the midst of one of these storms at the moment. And things were going great until 10 o'clock on a Friday night. I got the phone call and suddenly things were not going great. Things will be okay, but I'm in the middle of a storm right now, and sometimes it's hard to see. So can I preach to you from the middle of my storm? And maybe you can relate. Maybe you've got a big storm in your life right now, a big issue, a big problem, a big situation that you're facing. Or maybe it's, it's small by comparison, but one way or another... You're in the middle of a storm, and and it's raging, and Jesus seems to be silent, and you don't know what's going on, and you don't know if you're going to make it through. Maybe it's with you. Maybe it's with a loved one. Maybe it's with a friend, but you're in the middle of a storm. Can I encourage you today? I I, want to try to encourage you today. And and let me share these two things with you. I'm going to get back to my notes now. I want to share two important things with you, and I really believe that if you'll embrace these God will help you. And it's important that we talk about them because, you know, I've found, I've been in church my entire life. You know that. I'm 34 years old. Uh, We started Triumph Church when I was 2 years old. But even before that, my parents were pastors and evangelists traveling all over the world preaching the gospel. This is all that I've known in my life is church. And you know what I've found? That church people are the best. They are masters at hiding their problems. Under the guise of I want to speak faith, we all but lie. How are you doing today? I'm blessed and highly favored. Knowing that we're one missed payment away from losing our home. How are you doing today? God is good all the time. And in our minds, we're saying, but don't feel like he's very good to me right now. And, and, we, and we hide them and we put on masks. And here's the problem. We'll go outside these walls and we'll tell the whole world our issues. But we come into the place where there might be solutions and there might be answers and there might be someone else that's been through it before that has the faith to help you through. And we put on a mask because we feel like we have to act like everything's okay. It's all right for everything not to be Okay. Can I, just, can I just say that for a minute? It is all right to say, you know what? God is good, but I'm in the middle of a storm right now. It is okay to say, you know what? I love Jesus and I know he's going to help me, but right now I'm in pain and I'm hurting and I need some help. That is okay. It doesn't mean you lack faith. Because you never know. When you've been praying, God help me, God help me, God help me, God help me, God where are you? And he's been saying every Sunday I've been sending the same person to ask you how you're doing and you've been lying to him the whole time. And I have been trying to send them to pray with you because you don't even know they've been through the same thing as you and they just want to speak a word but you won't let them because you're putting the mask on you understand what i'm saying so uh, god speaks in the language of people and so when you pray for him to help you most of the time he uses a person but we, we cut off the very people because wow, well, you know everything's got to be perfect when i go to church I, everything does not have to be perfect when you come here so i want to encourage you and may i ask you take off the mask When you come to church, it doesn't mean you've got to share your business with the whole world. I don't even advise that. But take off the mask. And you know what? If you've been through a storm, you see someone else going through a storm, don't be afraid to say, you know what? I've been out in the middle of the lake too. But I made it to the other side. Because you don't know when your story might be the very thing that changes someone's life. Two things. Number one is this, and we're going to find it uh, in verse 38. You can be in the storm with his presence. You can be right in the middle of the storm, but with his presence. Verse 38, Jesus was sleeping on the shoreline. Is that what it says? No, if you've got your Bible, you can look at it. Verse 38, Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat. He was right there with them the entire time. You know what I want to encourage you? Don't let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God in your life. Don't, don't, Don't let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Don't let the silence of God convince you. That God is not with you because sometimes he has to be silent we'll come back to this later but you know when I was in school and I was taking tests my teacher sat there watching but never saying a word and when I would go ask her I don't know how to do this she said nope this is a test go back and take your test Because here's what happens we get in the middle of a storm And there's silence, and we're not hearing anything from God. But I can promise you this. Every time there is silence from heaven, get ready because hell will fill the silence with lies. He will begin speaking and lying and convincing you of things that are not of God. And it's like, where are you, God? Why don't you compete? And God's saying, no, 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 you've got to learn something in the middle of this storm. Don't let God's silence convince you that he doesn't care, that he's not involved, that he doesn't love you. They said, don't you even care? Of course Jesus cared. You see, they lost perspective of the true nature of Jesus and the nature of Jesus, who, as he said, I am a shepherd of Of course Jesus cares about his sheep he was about to give his life for them he left heaven to come to earth so he could die for them why would he say why would he not care of course he cared but they lost a little bit of perspective for a moment because Jesus went silent Jesus didn't seem to be caring Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Listen, let me tell it to you like this. Having Jesus in the boat doesn't mean that the storm isn't going to rock you. It just means that the storm won't sink you. I'll say that for you again if you're taking notes. Having Jesus in the boat doesn't mean that the storm isn't going to rock you. It just means that it won't sink you. Here's how Jesus said it in John 16. In this world, you will have trouble. Not you might have trouble or every now and then you might hit a bump in the road. No, he said, let me warn you. In this life, you will have trouble. In context of our scripture today, you will go through storms. Storms come and storms go. But take heart for I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. And so we've got to know if Jesus is in the boat and he overcame the world and he overcame the problems and he overcame the storms, we're going to make it through. Okay. Be encouraged. It's a myth to think that if I'm with Jesus, there shouldn't be a storm. Not true. Not true. When God is with you and God is for you though, who can be against you? He was in the boat. And that changed everything. Having the presence of Jesus changed everything. The enemy wants to convince you that God doesn't care and he's not involved. So he brings in fear and worry and doubt. And he breaks away at your faith and your confidence in God. But in the midst of the storm, if you're there today, or if you know one that is someone that is there, you need to get some things resolved. When I am in the presence of God, I may not hear him, but his strength is with me. I may not see him yet, but his power is still with me. I I may not feel him quite yet, but his authority is there with me. I may not know why he's asleep, but his grace is with me all the way. When his presence is here, all these things are involved in my life. They're in the boat with me. you got to get Jesus in your boat and stop being afraid. Psalm 46 and 1, powerful verse here. Many of you will know it. God is our refuge and strength. Always ready to help in times of trouble. This is a wonderful verse. But can I challenge you today, if you're in a storm, can we change a couple of words? I, and I don't, I don't want to be a, a, a heretic or anything, but just just watch here. Instead of saying God is our refuge, why don't we say God is my refuge and strength, always ready to help me in times of trouble. You see, you can read the scripture and you can think, yeah, he's always ready to help others and I'm always ready to help the church, but the enemy lied to you and convinced you he'll help others, but not you. He's other people's refuge and strength, but not yours. And sometimes we've got to take this verse and we've got to say, and others like it. You know what? God is not just our refuge, but I'm part of ours. So God is my refuge and he is my strength and he is always ready to help me in every time of trouble that I go through. God wants to help you. He wants to be with you. He wants to be your refuge and strength. Then, moving on to the second thing I want to encourage you with this is that you may be in the storm, but you, you are there for His purposes. You're there for His purposes. Let's go back to the scripture and take a look at something. How did they end up on the boat? Verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to His disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. It wasn't Peter's idea. Peter didn't look up and say, Jesus, we need to get you out of here. You need a vacation. Let's go to the other side of the lake. Let's get home. No, no, no. It wasn't James and John, the sons of thunder, who decided, let's go to the other side of the lake. It was Jesus' plan to go out in the middle of the lake. It was Jesus' idea. It was his words. It was his direction that led them out into the middle of the storm. There may be storms in your life that you have caused that is a very real possibility, but there also might be storms that just happen because, not because you were out of the will of God, but because you were in the will of God. Amen. Some storms just come up. They just happen because God needs to lead you through them. He has a purpose involved for it. Psalm 37 and 23, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. Hey, you know what? That's me. That means God is directing my steps, and he delights in every detail of my life. I I want you to get this in your mind. I want you to get this understanding. God is directing your steps. If you fit into that godly category, meaning you're going after him and trying to live for him, and you're trying to do things his way, he is directing your steps, and he delights in every detail of your lives. These disciples had given their life to follow Jesus. He was directing their steps. They weren't in their storm in the middle of the storm because they had done something wrong. They were in the middle of the storm because they were following Jesus. And sometimes following Jesus leads us right into the middle of the wind and the waves. We have to keep this in mind though that if Jesus led me into the storm, he has a purpose. What, did, what was Jesus' purpose? What could have been worth crossing the sea for? What could have been worth uh, facing the storm for? Here's what it is. In chapter 5, verse 1, you read that as soon as they arrived on the other side of the boat, there was a man waiting there for them. This man was so demon-possessed that no one could control him. They tried to put him in chains, but the but demonic power inside of him was so strong that he just broke the chains. He, he, he didn't have a saw. He didn't have a key. He just broke the chains. They couldn't keep clothes on him. He was terrorizing the town, terrorizing the people, terrorizing his family, and, and, and no one knew what to do with him. He was terrorized and possessed by demons, and this man was waiting on Jesus when he got off the boat. Jesus looked at him and said, what's your name? And the demons in him say, our name is Legion because we are many. And in that moment, Jesus healed him and set him free, put clothes on him, and changed that man's life forever. She gave some mother her son back. She gave some girl her brother back. She gave some child an uncle back. She gave some person their friend. He gave some person their friend back. Why? Because Jesus cared for that man so much that he was willing to go through a storm to help him. Amen. Let me ask you a question. The storm you're facing in your life, would you be willing to go through it if it meant changing the life of someone you don't even know on the other side? You see, I think that's the essence of Christianity. When we talk about what would Jesus do, that's what Jesus did. He gave his life for people who had never met him, he gave his life for you, he gave his life for me, he crossed storms for people. This morning, I, pre- I preached this message in Beaumont. As I'm walking out, trying to get over here, One of our members catches me in the foyer. And they begin to tell me the storm that they're going through. And here's what's amazing. The same storm that that member is going through is the same storm I referenced to you that my family is going through right now. And I had the opportunity that quickly to encourage her same way that i had been encouraged and continuing to encourage myself and our family and i was able to encourage her and i thought i didn't put myself in the storm but you know what god if i needed to walk through it to help this person i'll go through the storm that's the way god works he has a purpose in all that we do he's at work in all that we do he's planning you see there are some storms that you that you may have caused There are some storms you didn't. There are some times in our life when God causes the storm. There are other times when he allows the storm. I'm not so caught up in whether he causes the storm or whether he allows the storm. I just want to make sure that God uses the storm. That's all I want. God, I'm here now. I'm in the middle of the storm. You might as well get some good out of it. You know, if you're going to... I've been out there fishing... In and, 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 deep waters. And I'm going to tell you when the storms are raging and, and you're getting seasick, if you're at least catching fish, it'll all be okay. But if you're out there getting seasick and you're not catching any fish, it's not worth it. And so when I'm in the middle of the storm and I'm going through it, I'm saying, Lord, at least let's catch some fish while we're out here. At least let's see some people whose lives you want to touch and change while we're out here. At least let's, let's, let's see God do something in other people's lives. Romans 8 and 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. He may have called it or called the storm or allowed the storm. I don't know, but I know he can use it. James 1, verse 2 through 4, one of my favorite verses of Scripture. Consider it pure joy. Joy? Yeah. Yeah. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Jesus had to teach his disciples something. He had been teaching them all kind of stuff, but Jesus only had three years to teach them how to change the world. Because once Jesus was gone, it was on the back of the disciples to spread the gospel around the world. It's on you and I. He only had three years to teach them. So he said, you know what? It's time to take a test. And he sent them right through the middle of the storm. Why are you so afraid? Here's the good thing. Here's the good thing about tests. If you're going through a test in your life, the purpose of a test is to pass you and promote you. You've been saying, God, I want more. I want to see this you promised me that and finally God says okay you're gonna have to pass the test first think about when you were in school your teacher gave you a test so that you could pass so that you could prove that you had an understanding of the material and that you were prepared for the next level and that's what God has to do in our lives sometimes we don't like being tested but yet if we want to go to where God takes us it might involve a test can i say this thing this to you it could be that the difference between where you are and where god wants you to be is the storm that you have yet to endure between you and your dream is a storm if you knew it would you get on the boat anyway so, well, how did it blow up? I didn't even see where it was coming from. If you knew, would you have gotten on the boat? If you knew what it was going to take to get to the other side, would you get on the boat? We have to keep the big picture in mind. We have to keep the big picture in mind. That God has a purpose and he has a plan. For these disciples, they lost sight of the good picture. They were, the big picture, they were afraid because they thought they were going to die on a boat in the middle of the sea. But let me tell you, Jesus did not die. His story was not to end on a boat at the bottom of a sea, but on the cross at the top of a hill. And they lost sight of the big picture. Don't lose sight of what God has for you when you're going through a storm. You'll give up and you'll want to move on. But God wants to take you through. One final thing, and we're going to close. Mark chapter 4, verse 38. Are you okay today? It's really quiet in here. Mark chapter 4, verse 38. I want you to notice what they call Jesus. Teacher, don't you care that we are going to drown? Don't you care that we're going to drown? Notice they called him teacher. Interesting note. Because Jesus was always teaching them things. As I just said, he had to teach them how to change the world. He had three years to do it. He had to teach them the message of the gospel. He had to teach them all types of things. He had to teach them about the kingdom. He was a teacher, and they knew him as teacher. But in the storm, something changed. Verse 41. They'd seen Jesus raise the dead, heal the sick. Cleanse the leper. They'd seen all these things. But now they've seen Jesus control the wind and the waves. And I want you to know, the disciples were absolutely terrified after the storm has calmed down. And they said, Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. They had been walking with him, and yet in this moment, they learned something new about Jesus. What is it? In the storm... And before this, they called him teacher. After this, as you go through the the rest of their story, and especially when you read the letters that they wrote about the life of Jesus, you find them often using a different term. They don't use teacher so much anymore. They use a different term. We find it in Psalm 89, 8 and 9. Who is like you, Lord God Almighty. You, Lord. And I want you to notice the term here. You, Lord, is the title they're using are mighty and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging sea. And when its waves mount up, you still them. I want you to get a picture of this. In the middle of the storm, they say, teacher, don't you care? Because they knew him as teacher. This is a good thing. You ought to know Jesus as your teacher. There's so much to learn from him. There's so much to learn from scripture. But when Jesus calmed the storm, Psalm 89, verse 8 and 9 became real, and they recognized this is not just a teacher and a rabbi, but we are with the Lord God Almighty. And they were not afraid of the storm anymore, but the word that's used for terrified there or or fear there, it, it now means... A reverence or an awe-inspiring fear of something bigger or someone bigger. Here's what changed. We knew him as teacher. But when he calmed the storm, now we recognize he is Lord of all. And When you read their letters that they wrote, letters of Paul, the letters of Peter, the letters of James and John, they often call him the Lord Jesus Christ. Because now he became Lord. I want to ask you today, a couple of things is 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 Jesus in the boat with you you see if his presence is with you you're going to make it through it'll change everything a- a- and his power and his in his authority and his grace and his strength and his goodness and all these things are there but the question starts with is Jesus even in the boat with you and if he's in the boat with you have you called him lord Or is he just teacher? Or is he just, well, he'll help me if it fits onto my terms. But what kind of Jesus are you in the boat with? If Jesus is not in the boat with you, I can't guarantee you his presence. And I can't guarantee you that he's going to help you through. But getting Jesus in the boat is very easy. Getting Jesus in your life is a very simple thing. It just involves a request. Because Jesus wants to be in your boat. He wants to be in your life. He wants to help you. So I need to ask you a question today. I need to ask you if Jesus is in your boat, with every head bowed and every eye closed. Those watching on the line, same online, same for you at home, wherever you are. I'm not asking you about your husband's wife, or your life, or your wife's life, or your kids' life, or your parents' life, or your neighbor's life, or your pastor's life. I'm asking: Is Jesus in your boat with you? Is He Lord of all in your life? If he's not, we need to get him in the boat. Would you just raise your hand if you want to get Jesus in the boat with you today? Yeah, I see hands going up. There's more. In the balcony, I see you. In the balcony, I see you. If you're watching online, raise your hand. I can't see you. No, but God can. Say, Jesus, I want you in the boat with me today. I see your hands all over the place. All right, you can put those down. I'm going to ask every person in the room and every person watching online to say this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I want you to be in my boat I want you to be in my life, and I want you to be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Be my Savior. Be my Lord and be my King. I love you, Jesus, and I want to live for you forever. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you clap your hands and rejoice in the Lord this morning? Amen. We're going to close with this prayer, and then we have some babies I'm excited to dedicate today. And uh, if you need to leave, you'll be able to do that, no problem. Uh, if you want to stay and watch and take pictures and you, you enjoy seeing the babies all dressed up, uh, we, um, it's going to be an exciting time. But here's what I'm going to do. If you're going through a storm today, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. If, you, if, if you're going through a storm, big or little, doesn't matter, and, and you want and you need God, to speak over your life, peace be still. I want to pray over the storm that you're in. And uh, all I want you to do is stand up on your feet and lift both hands with me and I'm going to release a prayer over your life and I believe things are going to change. Yeah. Up in the balcony, I see you. Yeah. All right. All right. Father, for every person in this room... Lord, you know every detail of the storm. You know uh, the size of every wave. You know every trouble. You know every trial. You know everything that we're facing. And God, though I may not, you do, and you have been there all along. So Lord, I pray that your presence would go grow stronger. I pray that your voice would speak louder. And I declare right now, I speak to the winds and I speak to the waves, and I declare peace be still in the name of Jesus, not on my authority, but on the authority of Jesus Christ, who, who spoke to the winds and the waves. For the disciples, we do it here today. And we say, peace be still to every storm, big or small. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I love you so much. If you're watching online, be encouraged. God's going to cause things to begin calming down this week in the name of Jesus. The winds are reducing.